Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview. Newcastle head down to Fulham on Saturday in need of a win. Uh, at risk of sounding, John, like old times under a previous manager when we used to ask this question nearly every single week. Is this game a must win for Newcastle United? <laughs> uh, I guess it is in a totally different way to the answer we used to give. It used to be a must win so we don't get sucked into a very big relegation fight. It's just a must win because uh, we've only got one out of seven this season. Uh, so we need to get another win a bit smartish in the first column of our figures. It's interesting because I feel like there is a there is a balance that's, that's out there. Some are disappointed with the start of the season. That's more coming from maybe outside the fan base. People praising Fulham quite rightly for the start they've had. And I'd say others maybe putting a bit of criticism on Newcastle for the start they've had. But if Newcastle beat Fulham on Saturday, they go level on points with Fulham. Yeah, but doesn't that tell you a lot? We're going to go level on points with Fulham. I mean, when they come up, they normally go straight back down that very season. And before the season started, them and Bournemouth were probably two sides that everybody thought automatically would go down. This is, by the way, is not a criticism of Newcastle. It's, a, it's, it's giving a real G up to Fulham. They've been this surprise package of the season for me because um, I was expecting absolutely nothing from them. Everybody was querying whether Mitrovic could score goals in the Premier League. Oh yes, he ripped up the Championship, but can he score in the Premier League? You bet he can. Um, and, you know, it, it it is a surprising situation. What about if we lose it, uh, Fulham? But no, let's not think about that. No, I mean, we. Ca- it's very easy to sound very critical of Newcastle season, and I don't think anybody really is. I think one win out of seven doesn't sound good. One defeat out of seven sounds a lot better. Um, and Newcastle have played much better overall outside of the last home game. Um I just think we need to redress that balance a little bit and get a couple of wins on the board a bit smartish and the next two games would be a, a good time to get them. They would do, but obviously Brentford follows this one and Newcastle are facing two teams in, in, in really good form. You mentioned Mitrovic there and it is a character. He is a character who provokes a lot of debate amongst Newcastle United fans. You know, some felt he was right to be moved on. Some felt it was a big mistake to sell him. You know, you could say that the same about Ivan Tony. You know, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Absolutely. But there is no doubting that Mitrovic this season has started really, really well. I mean, over the last uh, 11 games, so including towards the end of last season as well, he scored 12 goals in the last 11 for Fulham. He scored a boatload in midweek for, for Serbia. He is on fire and there's a an article on the BBC website in which I think it's Emma Jones one of the BBC commentators uh, writes that or finishes her article by saying Mitrovic is invincible at the moment yeah well we'll have a look at that on Saturday uh, but yes I mean you know his sets of figures are quite uh, quite staggering I mean not his set of figures with us 14 league goals in 65 games for an out and out centre forward is more than average and I've got to confess that having been brought up as I was, as a kid worshipping War Jackie, and then professionally sitting in the press box and looking at Supermark and Alan Shearer, I did not rate 
mit Vivek up here. I just thought he was a walking yellow or red card that wanted to fight everybody. He thought he had to be desperate Dan, and that's the way he would win over the fans, and he didn't score enough. But he's matured, and his two sets of figures since he left us, for me, are startling. And the, the, the goals are interesting because he's on two milestones. With Fulham, he scored exactly 100 goals in 155 games, that's some average. 100 goals in 155 games. And for Serbia, having got four during this international break, a hat-trick followed by another one to beat Haaland's Norway, he scored four. He's now got 50 in 76 internationals. 50 in 76 and 100 goals in 155 for Fulham. You can't deny those figures uh, as being absolutely out of this world. You can't, but we're not in a habit of talking up other teams or other teams' players on this podcast because it's all about how Newcastle can get the better of them. It is, but he is fascinating because he once was ours, of course, isn't he? He is, he is. Um, now, he was pictured leaving yep. uh, the stadium uh, in the last game for Serbia with a bandaged ankle or a bandaged foot. Right, so, right ankle was, yeah. was heavily strapped. If he wants to miss the game, you wouldn't get any crocodile tears from me considering the injuries we've had to put up with both before the international break and during the international break with uh, Bruno and Isaac and Anderson not even able to go away with the, the Scottish young side. Uh, so it would be lovely if he misses out. Um, if he doesn't, let's bear in mind, supposing he doesn't, our defence isn't that shabby. Uh, it's been sorted. We've only let in seven goals, I think, in seven games. And three of those came against Manchester City. So we're not shipping goals every game we'll play in the Premier League. And so he'll have his work cut out and we will have our work cut out. You get the feeling if he's like 85, 90% and there's something they can do to get him through the pain oh, that won't have long-term damage. He'll be, he'll be wanting to put on that full Absol jersey, won't he? Absolutely right. He'll play, yes. yeah. But I don't mind if he's playing and he's hobbling. Well, That'll do, mate. It will do. And you know what? We talk about what good form he's in. I would like to think if I'm Fabian Cher or if I'm, you know, whoever starts alongside Cher, you want to face the best and you want to face the best and test yourself and you want to keep the best quiet. And that's what yeah. I, you know, you, you raised that challenge. I mean, uh, I think that you'll find that uh, Shaw wouldn't be the man that takes Midwick. Of course, he'll always stray under your patch if you're playing as a central defender, but either Botman or Byrne, whoever's alongside Shaw. Physically, it'll be the man that's sent out to match up Mitrovic. I'm pretty certain of that. Who's it going to be then? Is it going to be Botman or Ben? Who knows? Um, because we tried to second guess Eddie, and you always get it wrong if you try to second guess. I mean, Botman is well dischuffed that he's not starting more games, um, but a lot of people would consider this sort of physical challenge of Mitrovic is made for Burn. Um, I don't think it'll make too much difference physically matching muscle for muscle Byrne would probably be the one that would be prepared to do that what did you make of first off Eddie Howe's comments about why Botman was, was dropped for Dan Byrne that it was about leadership and experience what did you make about, about those comments yeah, yeah I mean probably if there's one thing you could put against Botman and, and you wouldn't put anything against Botman because he's a quality quality footballer the one thing where he probably is second to burn is physicality, matching muscle for muscle. Um, he's not quite as aggressive, he's not quite in your face as Byrne is. He's a better footballer than Byrne, 
uh, if that there's no question. In long term, I would think Botman will come out as the regular left-sided central defender. But um, right now, let them fight between it, and um, you're not too badly off if you've got one, whichever one of them you have. And what about Botman's decision to withdraw himself from the under-21 Dutch squad? It hasn't gone down too well in the Netherlands. He said he wants to commit himself to, to Newcastle and get back into that side. I mean, good news, you know, he wasn't at, then at risk of getting injured during this international break. And of course, we will get on to Newcastle's rotten luck over the last couple of weeks, which has been accelerated by injuries during this break. Um, and it, you know what? And it shows a really good attitude, I think. You know, he wants to get his head down and, and make sure that he's the very best he can be for yeah, Newcastle. I think, I think good for him. Um, and I think he has a job on, on uh, because Bernie is... is uh, a formidable figure to be battling with for your position in the team because it's quite obvious that um, he's not going to play two lefties together too often in Burn and Botman at, at the expense of Shaw. So it's a good attitude and is beyond the under-21s with utmost respect. I mean, you know, I don't think he would have opted out the full Dutch side, do you? Uh, I think if, it, if he'd been picked in the full Dutch side to start, I don't think he would have said, no, I'm going to concentrate on Newcastle United. And one man we haven't mentioned, and I guess the answer to this might be very, very short and not entirely sweet for Jamal Sells, but no chance he could line up on Saturday and, and be tasked with keeping Mitrovic quiet? No. Uh I think Byrne or Botman have more chance of keeping Mitrovic quiet than uh, Lascelles, but I don't want to have a dip at Lascelles. He's di- the last time he came in, I think it was Liverpool. He played really he well. He did brilliantly. Yeah. Um, there's no question about that. And he's lovely to have around. And the good thing about Jamal is that he hasn't let uh, his standards drop in terms of what he does around the club. He's had a good attitude. He hasn't gone and um, tripped over his pet lip. Yeah, the attitude is absolutely key. Let's go to Nick Pope then. Big, big opportunity for him over the last couple of weeks to prove oh, he's England's from, number one. I felt from. He got a lot of criticism. Even even if you take aside the the howler that uh, the Germany scored from, he got a lot of criticism for his distribution. I mean, I'd be honest, I didn't watch the game, so I, I can't I, really offer an opinion it on live, it. And from the first five minutes when he, he, he took his second touch on a ball played to his feet, and he had to dig it out quickly because he was getting closed down. I'm a great Pope fan. I think he's done terrific for us. I think he had an uncomfortable game all throughout the international against Germany, and it just climaxed as it would inevitably with the clangor on on the goal. Um, I felt for the lad because it was his chance. He'd look to see off Ramsdale to be England's number two. Pickford will be number one under. Uh, Gareth Southgate and that would be the case before what happened against Germany what you put it down to because it, I was going to ask you if you thought it was maybe playing such playing in front of such a big crowd but he's, he's done that no, comfortably well think, at Newcastle I don't think it's that no, no was no, it no. was it maybe in the back of his mind that this maybe is the last chance that he's got to prove to South, Gareth Southgate he can be number one or I mean that would come into it because not only has he got to prove that he could be a number one but he's got to prove he's the number two in, in ahead of Ramsdale um, so you know he's going to be in the three that's guaranteed 
but is he going to be number two? He's not going to be number one simply because Southgate is a Pickford man. Uh, and, and not whether we like it or not, that is the way it is and that will continue. I think one of the reasons he had the bad game is that he is... He was known at Burnley as a wonderful shot stopper, a terrific man at claiming crosses in the air in congested penalty areas, but very limited kicking with his feet. He's worked on that at Newcastle because they like to play it out at the back much more. He's improved it a little bit. He was uncomfortable, as I mentioned, from the first five minutes with the ball played to his feet. And once that gets into your mind, I mean, he played another one... Uh, right over the head of the winger, trying to knock it out of the winger straight into touch. Once that is in your mind, your game is is become difficult, and it was difficult all night for the lad. So with that in mind, if it's in his mind, will it be out of his mind for Saturday? Yeah, of course it will be, because he's back playing for Newcastle United. That was playing for England, that was playing with Southgate, that was playing in a, a tough situation where... England haven't won for Yonks. I know Newcastle haven't, but this that's different. Uh, you don't play many internationals and therefore every international is blown up. You play all the time in the Premier League. Um, I think it'll be out of his mind. Quite frankly, if I've got my Newcastle United hat on, I have. I'm glad that he's bad game, which every single goalkeeper's going to have was for England, not for Newcastle. Because I'd, I think he'll be back on Blum on, on Saturday because he's a good keeper. That's The bottom line is that Nick Pope is a good goalkeeper. Fingers crossed. And the other man that was in the England camp was Kieran Trippier flying the flag for, for Newcastle United. Obviously, there's been quite the fallout over this whole right-back situation with uh, Alexander-Arnold. And it seems like Gareth Southgate is his, his set his stall out. He looks like he's favouring Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker in that position. Um, I suppose good news for Newcastle United that they are getting players back into the England fold and good news as well that both Trippier and Pope came back unscathed. Yeah, it was good news that Trippier didn't play because the way they've been going down on International Week with uh, with Bruno and Isaac, um, you know, it was, you're just concerned about injuries uh, with Newcastle all the time now. I mean, the injuries have been quite unbelievable and I was just very pleased that uh, if Trippier didn't play, it meant he was fit. So before we talk about Newcastle's horrible run of injuries that they have picked over the last few weeks, just remember, a reminder, sorry, to please like and subscribe to the podcast. It's totally free to do. It just means with every new episode we upload, you will get a notification to say it's ready to listen to or download. Leave us a rating review if you get the chance as well. That just helps us get the show out to a wider audience and if you can share it amongst Junior Cast United support and friends and family that would be brilliant as well and I'll point you in the direction of the last episode of Gibbo's Corner in which John uh, give me a list of 17 of Newcastle United's biggest ever flops yeah I had to cut it down yeah you did now <laughs> interesting I've had quite a bit of feedback off this uh, right. a few emails and everyone saying it loved the episode but there were a few names missing so I'll just give oh, you two now yeah okay Give you two now, and then you guys listening can go over and listen to the actual episode. Uh, one of the names thrown in was Andres Anderson, and the other name, and this one actually got me, and I was left thinking, how on earth did we miss this out of the list? It is all opinion after all, though. Carl Court. 
Yeah, uh, because I don't think Carl Court was as bad as some of the uh, other centre forwards that were mentioned in that uh, in that list. Quite obviously, Andreas Anderson is one I could have put in quite easily. But as I say, I cut I cut it down to seventeen. But uh, Andreas of the headband could have easily been one of those seventeen. Carl Court was nothing like a centre forward that we need. But I don't think he was as bad as some of the centre forwards. And there's quite a few centre forwards named in that seventeen, if you remember uh, Andrew. And I don't think he was quite as bad as them. But he, he's certainly not in the uh, in the great number nine legend uh, club. So that suggestion came from Howard on our email. So thank you very much, Howard, for getting in touch. And if you yeah. guys want to send us uh, any feedback over email or Twitter, you can email the podcast and the email address is the E-I-B-W podcast at reachplc.com or drop me a message on Twitter if you like at ADM Musgrove and I'll do my best to get back to you um, as I did with Howard. So, John, on to the injuries that Newcastle United have suffered. Mm. They were having a bad run of luck beforehand. It's continued with this international break. And, you know, we'll start with the big one, and that is Alexander Isak. Mm-hmm. He's going to miss Fulham. He may miss the Brentford game. We'll obviously get more answers when anyhow uh, speaks on Friday to the press. That is a big, big blow. Oh, huge blow. Um, and he could be out for a few games. We don't know at this stage, but to be out at all... But when the moment he went away, they looked at him and then sent him back so he wasn't going to be able to play, not just in the next one, but the one after as well. You knew that there was some sort of problem. And having paid 60... How long had we waited for a centre-forward to be bought because of the fragility of, of Callum Wilson? And then we get one at 60 mil and within three games... Is there a jinx on three games? Had he played three games? I mean, then Callum Wilson had played three games this season when he got injured. Uh, it's a massive blow. Uh, and funny enough, centre-forwards, it's been... Uh, have we got any left? Because um, Chris Wood got injured with New Zealand, a rib injury, so uh, there was three centre-forwards with dear old Callum, obviously, is always in there with his cotton wool on, although he could well come back at Fulham. Yeah, I mean, um, he's he's expected to be back yeah. for Fulham. He said on his BBC podcast alongside Michael Antonio that he was he was looking forward to it. He, was, he, he seems very raring to go, so that is good news. But as I mentioned on Monday's podcast with Aaron, the amount of work that's going to have to go into making sure that he... You know, comes off the pitch because he's not going to last ninety minutes. Absolutely, but no the chance. amount of work that's then going to have to go in straight away to make sure that his body is is cooled down, he's stretched out, and he's in the best shape possible for Brentford. We'll have to start straight away. This is going to be a massive, massive task for this medical side to make sure that you know his return doesn't isn't over as quickly um, as some might fear. Sure. So what's news since he came to Newcastle? Newcastle United backroom staff have had that problem. Before Eddie Howe arrived, now Eddie Howe's here, and uh, as long as Wilson's a Newcastle player, it will exist. And there's only a certain amount you can do. They cannot guarantee that if they do their meticulous work, as he's walking down the tunnel after coming off, never mind waiting to the dressing room, that it's going to make a significant difference, i.e. that he will stay on the pitch for all the next games coming up. He will not do that. Anything over an hour in this game will be a bonus or will be 
dodgy ground because and of course what do we do when he does go off if you don't have Isaac you may not have Wood will you have some maximum who could play a false nine what do you do with centre forward when he does come off because it might well be a critical stage of the match when he comes off Newcastle ahead trying to hold on Newcastle getting a draw or Newcastle chasing the game the game will not be over I would suggest so it is going to be important could you actually maybe see him starting on the bench, and you know, you you play maybe an hour, Fulham start a tire, and then and then you unleash him? No, um, simply because needs must. If he starts on the bench, who starts at centre forward? Well, that's the other because question. He, yeah, Wood might not be here. Isaac is definitely not here. Some maximum who can play a false nine. Not his position in my case, but he can play a false nine. May not be able to. You'd start. probably look at Joe Linton then, wouldn't you? In that case, well, that's that's all you would come down to, which would probably mortify Joe. It's it's interesting on the options, uh, and we'll get back to Hamilton in a moment. But when we talk about the options, it kind of reaffirms the need, I think, a to have brought in, in, in another striker, which we know that we're looking at in the summer, and I'm sure it'll be back on the radar in January. But also looking at the youth system as well, because there's no talk about popping someone on the bench or maybe someone who's 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 ready to to break through and, and even start if need be. Because you know Callum Wilson could pick up an injury today in training, and then Newcastle would be absolutely screwed. But yet there's there's no whispers about uh, you know Michael Andini in the, in, in, in the reserves or anyone else who could maybe step up at this point. And I think it just reaffirms how important that long-term project is, oh, that they're getting the best youngsters through the door. We know that, we know that. I mean, the results and the amount of people coming through the academy, the results of the academy side, I know that's not the number one job of the academy, it's bringing kids through rather than winning any leagues. But we've been so far behind. We've actually had to import kids from... Ireland and Scotland to boost the academy and possibly from Australia uh, shortly although it's more complicated with that lad um, but yeah we, there, there isn't this, there's obviously not a centre forward coming through that, that's going to do that job that'll take time you can't do anything about that you can do things about your first team you can go out in January and buy a centre forward but you can't go, you can't by January have a kid come through the academy that's not already showing very, very good signs right now. And I think centre forward is a position where Newcastle aren't well served beneath the first team. Um, but centre forwards are always hard to find. Good ones. They are indeed. Going back to Callum Wilson then, I think we have discussed this when he last had this big run of injury. Mm psychologically he must be so so tough because a lot of people would would kind of be in his position and i think they would be a little bit nervous like not again you know if i go out there is it going to happen again but every time he comes back he just he's confident you hear him speaking on the, on his podcast he's confident it doesn't seem to affect him that much which i think is quite something given how many times he does appear to pick up injuries yeah, I think he's very strong mentally, and thank goodness he is, because he wouldn't have a career now if he wasn't strong mentally, because that's what keeps him bouncing back. He bounces back like a rubber ball. Um, but let's be truthful, he doesn't bounce back quickly, because you can't when you're carrying the sort of knocks he carries. He doesn't bounce back quickly. He just has the patience to wait, has the strength of character to work on it, 
and then back he comes but he can't recover quickly because his body's beyond it it's, and again it's just going back to what, what a shame it is because we know oh, we know what yeah, he can yeah, do yeah it's ridiculous i mean we we found out how hard it is to to find a centre forward before Callum Wilson and since Callum Wilson and Isaac might not be your traditional centre forward. When he does settle into side, he'll be a good player, but he may not be a traditional number nine, which means we still haven't got one underneath Callum Wilson if you don't include Chris Wood, who is not Premier League class, I'm afraid. Bruno Gamaresh left the Brazilian camp. Uh, he was yep. he it was requested by Newcastle that he came back, and the Brazil camp allowed it, which I think actually shows a really good relationship because we also know that Newcastle's medical staff and the Brazilian medical staff consulted one another before Gamaresh went out there to make sure that you know uh, the work they'd done prior, and obviously they played uh, he played in the last game, didn't he, against Bournemouth. You know that that wasn't disrupted, and they clearly got a really good relationship, a respectful one, which is good to see. Let's say the Brazilian manager uh, said to Bruno, "Yeah, go back. The sooner you're back fit and playing, the mm. better chance you've got of being in the World Cup." So good to see that he is expected to be fit for Saturday. There's there's been pictures of him back at Newcastle in the gym. He's working hard. Now, how important is it that he is fit and, oh, and, and crucially, playing? Crucially, I mean, it's important. That Wilson is fit, it's important Bruno's fit, and it's important Maxi's fit because they are three that's been missing recently when we haven't picked up the results we not only wanted but probably expected. And it's because three players of that quality haven't been uh, fit for us. Uh, Bruno's absolutely essential to us. What, what, of course, the problem is at Fulham is that the first problem is making certain that Bruno and Wilson get on the pitch. Maxi, we've got to wait and see, but getting the pitch from the start. But second is how long they'll last in this game and how sharp they'll be, because starting doesn't guarantee that the match sharp, as we all know. And, and so if they're slightly below par, we're not going to get necessarily the vintage Callum Wilson performance or the vintage Bruno performance, because... It'll need time because forget he had what seventy minutes or something in the last game, and he's been out for a while. Bruno and, and Callum Wilson's been out for longer. They're not up to complete speed yet, so they, they they're not going to be on the top of the game at Fulham. So let's say Bruno is fit. He starts. You see, starts alongside Joe Linton. Then you've got maybe Ali Anderson's touch and go alongside St Maximum. So do you stick? With Joe Willick, do you bring in Sean Longstaff? Because something needs something needs to happen. Because against Bournemouth, especially towards in that game, so pedestrian, side to side, there was Dreadful. no one taking responsibility. There was no one wanting to go forward. They looked a team that just had run out of ideas. And I, I, Joe Willick, for me, as I've mentioned previously, I thought he had his worst game against Bournemouth. I, I really he couldn't trap a bag of cement. It was flying all over the place, the ball. If Elliot Anderson's fit, I would start him in place of Joe oh, Willick. So would I, but I mean, it is always confusing with Newcastle United to try to second-guess the side that he's going to put out at the weekend because he plays cards close to his chest. But here, it's almost impossible. It is literally impossible because we're not seeing them in training every day. There's so many question marks. Can... Maxi start, can Callum Wilson start, can Bruno start, can Elliot Anderson start? I tell you what, they can't all start 
Because if they do, but they would all be in Newcastle United's team if everybody was fit, mind, in my humble opinion, and that includes Elliot Anderson, at this given time, they would all start in a Newcastle United team if they were fit, ready to go and match sharp. They are not. And you can maybe risk one, maybe risk two, but you can't risk three or four in a starting lineup because they they could all collapse They'd be together. They'd off the pace, wouldn't they? Yeah, and, they, and your team would be off the pace. So, we, you know, it's almost futile to try to guess the team. We really haven't a clue until we know how sharp. Those four guys, they hold, they hold everything in the hand. Wilson, Bruno, Maxi and Anderson. They'll dictate the team uh, selection and Newcastle United's chances. That being said, I am going to press you on this midfield. We're going to have a bit more discussion. If Now, there was an interview earlier this month where Gimaresh said he prefers playing in a more attacking role. So you could maybe see Sean Longstaff coming in alongside Joe Linton. They you know, do the defensive sort of work. Joe Linton does the marauding midfielder that he does so well. And that allows Bruno Gimaresh to... to be yeah, in that attacking role a bit more. If you're pushing me on everybody's fit, what would you do? Um, I would be tempted to uh, to go with uh, Longstaff as a sitter and let Bruno go on with Joe Linton. Uh, but then I'd play Anderson out wide if he's fit because I want I want him in the side. And just on Anderson, new long-term contract. He's clearly got a big future, hopes of a big future. Absolutely. Brilliant to see him tie down. Absolutely, absolutely. Good, good young player. Uh, you always keep your fingers crossed with young players because they can look world beaters and then turn out to be nothing. They can look very average kids and then grow into swans, which is what happened with Chris Waddle. Um, so you never know. But I've got great hope with Elliot uh, that he's got a big big future and I want that future to be with us because I've seen too many good kids and I always famously talk about the three that went in about 18 months to two years Waddle, Beardsley and Gascoigne uh, Newcastle sold all three uh, I want to see our kids come through but I want them to hit stardom with us not with the next club and fingers crossed he does that right here on Tyneside then on the wings now, let's say, I don't think he's going to be fit. The suggestion is that he's probably going to be ready for the bench at most. Alan St. Maximum. Mm. But let's just flip it up and say he is fit. He starts over on, on the left. That leaves Miggy and Fraser battling it out. Now, Fraser's actually had a decent return to international football. He picked up an yep. assist. Uh, you know, he's, he's come out of he's the cold He's five foot four. Can he run anymore after his three games in how many days with Scotland? I know the first two, he only went on a sub late. So he's not going to be totally exhausted. Um, but yes, uh, away from home, you might go with Miggy for his work rate. Away from home at Fulham. Um, if if Maximum was on the other side... Uh, it's interesting because on the club website um, there is uh, a, a kind of a, an online scouting uh, which was originally on Twitter the scouting website I think they've struck a deal with Newcastle to to be, become part of like you know they bring out the stats mm. I'm just going to find the actual name of it so it's why I scout and if you're on social media you've probably seen uh, the guys the guys called Kevin he, he breaks down all the statistics and he does threads on Twitter that you know gives a bit of an analysis. Kev Lawson is his name, and he's done one on Miguel Almiron about how uh, the headline is the reinvention of Miguel Almiron as a right-sided attacker. And I find that quite interesting that 
they've put that actually now firmly on the club website because that is a massive hint to how much Eddie Howe I think really likes Almiron because you're not going to put that front and centre of the website if you're not that big of a fan of Miggy, are you? Or am I just reading too much into that? I think you're reading too much into it. I don't mean that as any criticism of Miggy. I think if you have a column as a, stat, a statistician, a, 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 as a coach, not a, by Newcastle, but that's your background, you can voice any opinion you want in that because they're giving you that freedom as long as it's not too critical because it's on the official site. Now, it's not being critical. It's saying, isn't Almiron doing well? But I don't think they'd have to have that passed by Eddie Howe to go on the site. Isn't Almiron doing well? But I don't think it necessarily means that uh, Eddie Howe thinks he's doing well. Um, so, no, I think you are reading too much in that. And you know why I think that? Because you're an Almiron fan. I know, but I, got, I was a little bit frustrated with him against Bournemouth. I felt... Um you know, he does need to start picking up slightly. But we have seen an improvement. It is a great piece by Kev Lawson. You should go over to the website and read it. Um, it will certainly... Well, actually, John, you should go over and read it and just see how well Miguel Amiron has done this season. I would prefer to use the judgment of my own eyes rather than have to be told by somebody else whether a Newcastle United player is doing well or not. And all Newcastle fans are exactly the same. They like reading about stuff, but they'll make their own mind up on what they think of any given player at Newcastle. So, back to what is going to be a bit of a negative question. I'm sorry that we started it like that and we're going to end it like that, but if Newcastle don't win against Fulham on Saturday oh, dear, 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 what dear, is dear. next I, and I'll be honest with you guys who <laughs> yeah, also in a good uh, bit of form and Tony scoring goals for I'll be honest I don't think Newcastle are going to beat Fulham on Saturday no I, I mean I would have to say probably that as well but it, it's so confusing I just want to throw my hands up in the air because we haven't got a clue on what team Newcastle are going to put out. We haven't a clue on exactly the fitness levels of key key players because these aren't just a and others. You know if and these two guys aren't a and others. But if you had Burn and Botman and Warner been out injured and he wasn't quite is he right to come back or not? You just don't take a risk because the other guy's good enough. Whether it's Botman or Burn, you just go with the other one. But we have proved in our last few games that we aren't the same side without Wilson, Maxi uh, and Bruno. Now, they have all been injured. We don't know approaching the Fulham game how fit they are. Now, if we were going into this game with every single player fit, and they can have every single player fit as far as I'm concerned on their side, if we had every single player fit and sharp and I emphasise that in capital letters, I would think we can win. We're not at that level. We know that because they're not all going to be sharp. Uh, so we're guessing. And I'll tell you something, Eddie Howe knows more than us because he sees them every day in train, but he's guessing, believe you me. When he picks that side, he will be gambling a little bit on the fitness of those players. Do we start off the bench? Do they start at the beginning of the game? As I think Callum Wilson has to, because of the, the lack of number nines, he is going to be gambling as much as we're gambling sitting here now. So we literally are in the dark for this game. And the form they're in, in the form Mitrovic's in, 
Um, if his right ankle can stand up, and I would be more than happy if it doesn't for this particular game, um, because of all the problems we have. Uh, but Fulham have, Fulham have done terrific. They're unbeaten at home. They've beaten Brighton at home, their fourth top. They've beaten Brentford at home, and we are going to find out how difficult that is. And they've drawn with Liverpool at home, who needed an equaliser later on to get a draw. So they're flying. And yes, you know, they're without the midfield uh, Palina, uh, they're without Brazilian, the, the Portuguese, yeah, Portuguese guy because he's picked up five buttons um, and he makes a big difference. Mitrovic is the star man, but he is locked up the midfield terrifically and he will be missed. Uh, but yes, it's hard to say Newcastle win because if we're in confusion because of injuries. How does it end then? Are we both saying a, a defeat or both, are you saying a draw? I'm taking a draw and it, that is quite ludicrous because I'm sick to death of draws. But in this case, I won't be sick to death of draws. We had a wonderful draw with Man City. All the other draws for me have been disappointing. All the other four for me have been disappointing. So, But this draw would be acceptable. I can't see us winning because our best players aren't 100%. We were discussing this in the office and I, I said, I think Newcastle are actually going to get beat on Saturday. But what I'm hoping it means is, you know, the way, the, the, the mysterious world of football is that when I say defeat the gods somewhere, wake up and say, well, sure, we'll do the exact sure. opposite. I mean, I couldn't argue against the defeat um, because of the current circumstances Newcastle are in. I'll emphasise it again. If everyone was fit and razor sharp, I, was, I think Newcastle can win. yes. Even with Mitrovic in, in the scoring form he's in, I would still take Newcastle to win. Because you know what? Fulham are due a blip at home because they're not that flipping good. We're building them up to be Man City. They're not that flipping good. And Mitrovic's got to have a quiet day sometime. You kind of keep doing this. Even Holland has a quiet well, day. Well, you had a quiet day against Forrest and they still scored three. Uh, yeah, but that was against Forrest. True, the only true. team we've beaten this season, everybody beats Forest. <laughs> um, but yes, um, you know, Holland had a quiet day in the midweek when Mitrovic outscored him and Serbia beat uh, Norway and Norway. But um, yes, normal circumstances, I would take Newcastle. I'm hoping for a draw. I've been very critical of all the draws. This would be a good one, like Man City. But I couldn't argue against you saying an hour defeat. You didn't put the word now in, but I'm certain you felt probably there would be now. All that does is have everybody, including me and including you and including the 50,000 fans that will be on the terraces against Brentford, saying that Brentford's a must-win and can we win and will we win? So that just goes on until we do win. And um, it would have to be against Brentford because we're, we're away to Man United and that's far from impossible these days. But we wouldn't, if you can't beat Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, Fulham and Brentford, then, you know, you're beginning to go, oh dear. You are indeed, but fingers crossed that me and John are both wrong and Newcastle get three points down at Craven Cottage. We'll bring you live coverage of that game through our live blog on chroniclelive.co.uk on Friday morning. We'll bring you Eddie Howe's press conference as well. And if you are travelling down on Saturday with a train strike, we wish you every luck because that's not going to be an easy journey down, is it, John? Boy, you'd need it. And well done you for going. What a potential day that could be with a rail strike and uh, the injuries and everything that's down there. 
We know that the strike is going to take place. We don't know what the result is going to be. You deserve it if you're travelling to be the very, very best result that's possible. Fingers and toes and everything else crossed. Uh, we're due a little bit of luck. Let it be sad days from three o'clock onwards. Fingers crossed. And a safe journey down to all you guys who are heading down to Craven Cottage. And thank you very much for listening to the Everything is Black and White podcast. <laughs>